Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the No Vertical Podcast with your hosts, Billy and Alex. Today on the podcast, we're going to break down the game that just happened between uh, the Syracuse Orange and Georgetown Hoyas. Now we're going to go into the UB-St. Bonaventure Big Four rivalry game. And then from there, we're going to go into a preview of St. John's versus the slow, slow, slow pace of Princeton. (laughs) So Alex, why don't you take it away with uh, Syracuse's action today at the Dome? Yeah, so they played a old rival, Georgetown, you know, Big East rival. They've played a number of times with Syracuse holding the holding the edge in the the rankings of that matchup so far. So it was a highly talked about game coming in just based on the past history of the rivalry itself and the record of the two teams coming in but overall you know I think the first thing we have to talk about is the first the difference in the first half and the second half and kind of why those differences in the first half Syracuse is playing very slow and playing a lot of one-on-one basketball they weren't moving the ball at all they weren't sharing and getting any assists on any of their their possessions so the played right into Georgetown's hands and allowed Georgetown to get a lot of turnovers, get a lot of one, like one opportunity possessions from Syracuse, which they then turned into a 13 point lead going into the half with some good play from Mac McClung. They're pretty solid freshman and um, Jesse Govan, who was outstanding today. Like hats off to him. He played really, really well. Um, Going into the second half, Syracuse came out with a completely different mentality, a completely different vibe they decided that they were going to start passing the ball and moving side to side and then attacking the hoop, getting not only chances from the free throw line, but also closing in the defense a little bit, allowing Elijah Hughes to kind of come to life and start hitting those outside jumpers. So that was really the turn of the tide in what was a very closely contested game. But the story didn't end there because – Frank Howard was in a a lot of foul trouble this game, so we were forced to play without him again. And it kind of showed about midway through the half when Jalen Carey came in and they were playing a little bit more sloppy and a little bit faster pace than they wanted to in the half court. But after they – I believe they called a timeout or they went to the under-16 timeout. They came out, slowed the ball down. Jalen Carey started playing really well. Um, And – Tyus Battle just took over the game. He was very, very impressive today. He's playing like the Tyus Battle that everybody thought he was going to be playing like before the season. And I think that the positive outcomes of sharing the basketball really played into the favor of Syracuse. And their defense really stepped up in spots that it needed to. Late in that that last minute, Marek Dolajai taking that charge to give Syracuse the ball back with about 10 seconds left. That was major. That was huge. And all in all, it was just a really great game. That And then how can we not talk about the game-winning shot with two seconds left by Tyus Battle? That guy is just an outstanding scorer. He's unmatched right now in his ability to make shots for himself and drive to the hoop, and he put all of his skills on display today. And I was very, very impressed with him. He was efficient, and he played smart, and he ended up with 26 points. Um, 
So overall, I think that the the team dynamic was really good today, and everybody had a, a piece of scoring, and even Pas- uh, Pascal Chukwu got into the scoring a little bit. He got his first dunk, I believe, of the entire season, which is a little crazy for somebody <laughs> over seven feet tall. But it was it was a nice game to see that they didn't disappear down the down the stretch and Tyus Battle hitting that game winner was got me off my feet, that's for sure. Yeah, and some some of my notes on this game, I mean, well, just mentioning that game winner, I, I thought there's no way that's got that shot's gonna go in. Yeah, absolutely I mean, not feet not set at all, just just floating there. Yeah, in just space. Fading to the left, it was wild. Yeah, that was that was a wild shot for him to be <laughs> taking. I mean, it went in, so you can't fault the guy. Right, exactly. Point. It's it was almost Shamori Pons esque in a lot yeah, of there uh, you go. <laughs> a lot of this game reminded me of Shamori Pons, and it's funny they're they're playing you know so close in proximity college wise. Um, one of my biggest takeaways from that game was that, um, I mean. Govan could have had his way down low, but for some reason didn't. I don't know what Ewing was thinking down the stretch. He had Govan matched up with Dolage. And you know what? Dolage held his own. He got that, yeah. that charge late, like you mentioned, um, which was huge considering that uh, Chukwu fouled out and Howard was out of the game. Right. Um, and then, I mean, they weren't great against Georgetown zone, but they found ways to get to the hoop, which is that what I think a lot of, people were waiting to see out of this Syracuse squad. There yeah, wasn't a lot absolutely. of there wasn't a lot of scoring, especially, you know, they, they have a hard time penetrating zone defenses. And I mean and I mean they still did have a pretty hard time penetrating the zone, mm-hmm. but their shot came alive in the second half, like absolutely. you mentioned. Um, I think that was a huge turnaround from first to second half was hitting their open threes. A lot yeah. of the threes they were taking, they weren't necessarily bad. I mean at times there were bad threes, but I think that they were hitting those threes come the second half. I think yeah. that was a big turnaround for them. I would agree with that. I mean, they only shot about 28% from three today, but first half to second half was such a major change that that really helped turn the tide. And I think Elijah, he was hit two or three back-to-back, and that brought us right back into the game after Ty's battle took over right at the beginning of the second half. So that kind of allowed for that momentum shift, and it was pretty nice to see some – three-pointers go in for a change, you know? Yeah, and like you said, I mean, I actually have the stat for the first half three-point shooting. It was 7.1%. Right. That's going to keep you out of any ball game. pretty the brutal. That, the fact that Syracuse is able to come back and beat a team like Georgetown was remarkable. You know, it really yeah. kudos to Battle, uh, Brissett, um, you know, and Hughes really just coming up clutch from three. Yeah. And another thing, another takeaway from this game, I know you might not like it, but it's a big impact on Big East play. Georgetown looked incredible considering a lot of this, this team was not expected to be this good this year. Absolutely. Yeah. They played really tough. They played really good defense. They took a lot of the open lanes that Syracuse is used to having and they shut them down because they have some really long players. Like when you compare Syracuse's length and the Georgetown's length, it's pretty similar so that's going to play into their favor come like down the line. And they have some kids that can really score. Mac McClung was very impressive today. Jesse Govan, obviously, I mentioned him earlier. Um, and they even had uh, Blair, who was supposedly a pretty good shooter. He only hit two threes. So that played in our favor, but don't expect that to continue if he's 
touted to be a pretty good scorer. So, yeah, I mean, the, their three point shooting really surprised me today. Um, Malinowski, yeah, Malinowski off the bench. I mean, he yep. he looked like he should be playing a lot more minutes. Yeah, he was clutch down the stretch. So it'll be interesting to see what Ewing can do with this team that was expected to finish relatively lower in the Big East. I mean, this right. and, and it's it's kind of almost upsetting that we might not even get this game come next year. This is yeah, the end of were, the four year uh, right. contract. And, and they were talking about that on uh, on the telecast today, and you know. I really hope that they can figure it out and they can make that happen, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, and like like we mentioned, the ACC is moving to a 20-game in-conference schedule as of next right. year, so it's going to be pretty hard for the scheduling to work out between the two teams. But it it would be lovely to see, even if you could get St. John's back into the mix, old Big East play. Right, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of rivalries, we had a little bit of a rivalry game coming down in uh, St. Bonaventure versus Buffalo. So I know you have a lot to say about that. I didn't really catch much of the game, but I know you were watching pretty closely. So Yeah, so I finally sprung and got ESPN Plus, which is uh, you know a pain in the butt for, I think, most of Buffalo fans this year, considering <laughs> the Mac is probably going to exclusively air on ESPN Plus. But, right. So the, the biggest takeaway from this game, right from the start, there was hostility. You could feel it in the Riley Center. I mean – the, the players were chirping back and forth almost instantly from the start of this game. And the, the officials let it be known that they were not going to take any of their crap. <laughs> um, that, and that was evident in the foul trouble for the Bonnies almost immediately. I mean, you had, I think, at the 15-minute mark of that game, Bonnies were already uh, committed six fouls or seven fouls. So UB was in the bonus from 15 minutes on within the first half. Yeah, that's so, tough. So, I mean, they dug themselves a hole there. They kept it close up until that point, but from there, Buffalo just started pulling away. I mean, um, UB was just shooting the lights out in the beginning of the game, and it looked like a classic UB transition offense game. Um, you know, you had a lot of a lot of forced turnovers. There was 10 forced turnovers uh, in the first half of play um, on five steals, and the three-point shooting was spot on like always. Transition to the second half, though, and it was the exact opposite. I mean, the, right. the, the offense looked extremely stagnant um, to play. And then really the only guy that was looking like he was able to keep it going was Graves. He was the only one still consistently draining from three. I mean, you had a basket here and there from Massenburg, but their offense clearly was struggling in the second half. Yeah, it looks like Massenburg only scored 14 points, which is – Kind of surprising for him against a St. Bonaventure club. So, yeah, the I'm fact sure that the fact that the lead was able, to pick it up. yeah, the fact that the lead was able to dwindle to just twelve points at one point, you know, and it, I, I got to say, Bonaventure's offense wasn't blowing me out of the water. Sure, uh, you know, it Absolutely. wasn't. It wasn't like uh, the Bonnies were going on these these strong runs. It was kind of just a lack of offense out of UB, and the final score really doesn't indicate half. Um, I mean, Perkins, if you look at his, his stat line, he only had three points on like one of 10 shooting, I believe. So, you know, he, he didn't have a great night offensively. However, he was getting some boards down low and his presence created a lot of hesitancy to drive down low, you know, to even contest for rebounds. So he played a pivotal role, but it wasn't his best game. That's for sure. Sure. Um, McCray, McCray did a pretty decent job down low. So, you know, just their presence 
really affected the Bonnies because you got to remember a lot of this team, a lot of their team is young. There are a lot of freshmen, sophomores on that Bonaventure team. So the, clearly the, the age of Buffalo, the transition offense, the stingy defense in the first half for sure uh, created that win for them tonight. Yeah, and anytime you have a team that's got more experience and that they're able to rely on that experience, you're going to have the advantage in a t- over a team that hasn't ever really been tested. I mean, St. Bonaventure isn't a classically – highly performing team so they're not going to have that experience and that history of going up into tough games and and obviously they're at home so it wasn't a tough environment but you are you're going to have a team that travels well in UB so that in itself is going to play in UB's favor too of course of course and it kind of begs me to think how I mean, this is this on paper. It's a big win for UB. How well does that translate into the the NET rankings, and how well does that translate into the AP poll going in sure. to next week? You know, does that make them top fifteen? You think? You know, we'll have to see how the rest of the day shakes out. I don't. I didn't really see many changes in the top ten, other than the big loss that Kentucky had in overtime in that crazy game. Um, but it looks like it was pretty chalk otherwise. So, although you did have a Kansas State team lose today to Tulsa, I guess. Just looking through ESPN quickly. So, they could definitely swap those places, if not move up one more to the 15 spot. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if I'm if I'm a voter in this poll today, I don't necessarily below 15. Maybe to 15. Right. But I don't see them going below that. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, it wasn't the greatest win. It was definitely a big rivalry win, which I think they can right. take away. They can use this as momentum moving forward. And and moving forward, they're going to have to do with a lot of strength and uh, a lot of hard-nosed play considering their schedule going forward. They got Southern yeah, Illinois absolutely. at home at the end of that home-and-home home series with them. And then they're moving on to Syracuse and Marquette on the road, which is going to be hard. Right. Yeah, that's two really tough games back-to-back right there. And, yeah, yeah both both away, so they're not going to have the advantage of the home crowd. So anytime – obviously, I touched on this before, but anytime you don't have that home crowd behind you, it's going to be even that much more challenging. So we'll see how this this Buffalo team handles that ro- that little road stint that they have coming up there. Yeah, and you'll see if you can uh, maybe turn around Perkins' play a little bit. I think that's going to be huge. Absolutely. I think you need, you need Perkins in those games, especially when you're going to have them matched up against a lot bigger guys. You know, like Syracuse has the bigs. Um, Marquette has some big guys that they're going to throw around on there. And down low, you know, Buffalo, you, between McRae and Perkins, that's really all you got. So he's going to have to be there and he's going to have to show up. And whether that means him hitting a few threes to try and pull those bigs out, um, or, you know, just being that presence down there where they know he can score with either hand, you know? Right. So I think, I think he's going to have to show up and I think you're going to have to get the shooting to really get figured out because it, the way they played in the first half was almost the exact opposite of how Syracuse played in the first half. It was, it was kind of weird watching both games at the same times because it, it was almost the polar opposite. Right. So 
you know, and but the one one good takeaway that I did have from from this whole game was that Jonathan Williams really showed up today. You know, it was great to see the freshman get some quality minutes in. Uh, I think he hadn't finished with nine points. So it, it's great to see him getting involved and NATO's getting more comfortable working him into the mix, especially when the game, you know, wasn't still a blowout even when it was 12 points. So I, I'm happy with the overall game. You know, it could have been better. It could have been tightened up. But I think Nate Oates is going to be able to dial this in. And I'm looking at at least a split between those games between Cuse and Marquette. I'm not sure which one, which one right. they're going to win. Yeah. But I don't think they're losing both of them. Yeah. I mean, they've showed this year that they have the ability to play up to t- competition. So they're definitely not going to be counted out in either of those games. And they'll, uh, with their record, they'll probably be favored. But I'll, it'll be interesting to see how that goes in the future. I agree. I agree completely. All right. So switching it up and moving over to Queens, New York, where, well, actually, I should say Manhattan, because the Johnnies are moving into uh, MSG for the first MSG game of the season. Oh, there you go. Um, tomorrow at 1 p.m. against Princeton. And Princeton is notorious for that slow, dragging pace of play. They are going to try and slow that tempo down to basically molasses against St. John's <laughs> that love to run. So it's going to be imperative that St. John's hops on defensively and that Simon's able to spark that team defensively and create some turnovers because St. John's is going to have to, you know, really drive home the rate of play. They're not going to – they can't let Princeton slow down the game enough because they're not great in their half-court offense. So they're going to have to really, really slow down this rate of play – really have to stop the slowdown of the rate of play that Princeton is used to doing. And they're also going to need – to get a balanced scoring effort out of uh, LJ Figueroa, Mustafa Heron, and Marvin Clark. You know, it, on paper, last game, that's what you got. But they played a Mount St. Mary's team that was 0-7 at the time. Right. And it was, it was a really, really sluggish game for the whole squad. I mean, Marvin Clark was really the only one who looked pretty great out of that, out of that team that game. So... You need LJ to step it up. You need uh, Mustafa Heron to step it up. And it would be great to see Mikey Dixon play some quality minutes off the bench as well. He's a quick, speedy guy, and he'll be able to potentially step out and hit some threes as well. So take a little bit of the pressure off Pons. I don't want Pons to have to feel like he has to do it all against these games that they should be winning. At least that's the way I'm looking at it. You, you, like, I guess it would be translated to the same way. You don't want battle to have to carry game after game after game. Absolutely prior to going into ACC play. So if Pons could do as little as possible and the team still looks good, the team's still winning, that would be a win-win for Mullen and company um, come tomorrow against Princeton. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see how St. John's plays against a a more defensive-minded team when they're obviously going to be paying a lot of attention to slowing down Shimori Pons. So if – if they're able to do so, which is, you know, kind of a big ask, obviously. Um, that'll still be a good game to watch in terms of watching the other players step up and see if anybody else is able to give a little bit extra than they've shown. Because as you touched on, Shimori Pons is playing the ties battle role of having to take over in spots where the other team is lacking. So if they can do that and have other people help out and step up, I think they'll be in a good spot for sure. And another thing to consider for the St. John's team, I mean, the three-point defense, like 
most fans have known for past previous couple of years has been absolutely atrocious. <laughs> you know, they're, they're letting, they're letting guys like D Barnes, for example, um, not, I'm not, I'm not here to shit talk anyone, but D Barnes from Mount St. Mary, the, the kid hit, he had only 12 points in, in his previous five games coming into the game against St. John's torched them for seven of 10 from the three oh, point line, 26 that's points. Brutal. And this is a, a team that's Owen seven. Right. So you can't be doing that against anyone who's of significant competition because there's going to be guys other than just the D barns absolutely that are going to torch you as well if you if you allow those shots to keep going down. So I think three point defense is going to be huge because Princeton has a lot of spot up three point shooters on that team. So if they're going to torch you, it's going to be from three. I'm looking for Mullen to potentially just play man the entire game, even though they have a pretty thin. Uh, core players that they play. They only go about seven, maybe eight deep, depending on the night. But I'm, I'm looking for Mullen to just keep it man-to-man. That way, you know, you, you don't stay too close to home and allow those three balls. So that's one of my biggest takeaways from the team for this game, at least. They need the up-tempo play. They need three-point defense to actually step up. And I think Simon is uh, going to be a huge player in this game in terms of sparking the energy on defense. So moving on to predictions, we're going to do a new segment on the podcast where we take a look at the matchups and Alex and I are going to give our takes on what we think potentially final score and who the victor is going to be. So we'll start with uh, Syracuse. They're going to be playing Old Dominion on the 15th at 12 p.m. Alex, what's your take? So obviously Old Dominion is not the heftiest opponent that they'll face all year. I'm expecting it to be a a fairly easy win. Um, Syracuse has a history of not making every easy win a very easy win, um, for lack of a better description. But that being said, I do expect them to come out with the win. Um, as far as final score, I'm not going to give them too much credit. Maybe I'll say 75-58. All right, that's, that's not too far off from where I was thinking. I was thinking... Uh, 74-62. Yeah. But I think this is going to be Buddy Beheim's game. I, think I hope this so. Is gonna be a, I think this is going to be a little bit of a pressure-off game, and I think you're going to see him shine from three. I would. That would be nice. He, he's against their lesser, for lack of a better word again, opponents. He's been able to hit the, hit the three at a decent clip. So we'll see if he can get it going and if that can carry over into the next couple of games because we're going to need some three-point shooting against Buffalo the next game. That's for sure. That is definitely for sure. All right, moving on to Buffalo. Buffalo versus Southern Illinois, also on the 15th. This one at 2 p.m. They were actually nice to us, and they're allowing us to watch both games instead of having to split time between both of them. There you go. So what do you got on on this one? Um, Once again, I think that the favorite here is going to be one of our teams. Um, You're obviously going to have a little bit more of a challenge, I think. Southern Illinois is probably going to be a little bit more competitive. But again, the the offensive attack of Buffalo this year has been pretty st- pretty solid, and they've been able to put up a decent amount of points. So I think that the Buffalo Bulls are going to pull it out, and I think to be a good score for them, maybe 80 points to 60 points in favor of the Bulls. Wow, so you got you got quite the uh, quite the discrepancy there in terms of scores. 
See, I, I was thinking a little bit lower for UB. I mean, the first time they matched up, UB only was able to score 62 points, which is their season low on the year. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with they're going to score a little bit more on this one considering the home court advantage. I'm going 70 to 58 UB over Southern Illinois. Fair enough. And into the last matchup, I won't make you pick first again. <laughs> I'll go first this time for St. John's. I'm thinking this is going to be – this is going to be an up-tempo game. I think St. John's is going to control the pace, and I think they're going to come away with not an easy victory, though. I think Princeton is going to come on strong late with three ball, but I think it's going to be St. John's 78, Princeton 72. I'd agree with you that I think it'll be a good game, and I think it'll be a, a defensive battle. Um, so I'll go a little bit lower. I'll say maybe 68 to 56. Okay, and there, there you have it, guys. Our first uh, predictions. Watch all three be wrong. You know, <laughs> most that's, likely that's just the way it goes most sometimes. Likely. So, guys, uh, once again, I mean, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks for listening. Um, if you have any comments, please hit us up on Twitter at No Vertical. Uh, we try and do as much as we can in terms of like interaction and stuff like that, but we're always looking to do more. So, please, like, feel free to reach out to us on on Twitter. And, you know, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on all major sources. And I just want to say thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys.